listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. All right, we're done. See you guys next week. <laughs> that was amazing, though, right? Uh, what a time of worship. It's so good seeing our children worshiping, lifting their hands because they want to, because they, they, they sense the presence of God, and they're just, they just stand in awe of the beauty of who He is and what He's doing in our midst. I'm so happy uh, for that time of worship. Um, we're starting a new series the name of the series is The Way of the Cross. And I think part of it is I, I kind of like the name. I just like saying The Way of the Cross. It just, I, I just envision Clint Eastwood walking to the cross. You know what I mean? Like just something, or old, young Clint Eastwood, not current Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, and, but, but here's the thing about The Way of the Cross. The cross is a symbol, really. In reality, it, it is a symbol of our faith. And it is sometimes a confusing Symbol, even to us, but especially to the world. In general, symbols are images. This is my definition, by the way. Symbols are images, marks, or characters used to encapsulate a brand, a team, a philosophy, a way of life, or a corporate mission. Okay, That's, that's what a symbol tends to be. And it could be religious in nature or not, because, again, it satisfies maybe one of those categories. See, symbols... Here's what I love about symbols, whether they're Christian-related or not. What I love about symbols is that they motivate us and remind us of the oaths we have chosen to take. They keep us centered on things we have come into agreement with or the things I identify myself with. I mean, think about it. We even tattoo certain logos or symbols on on our body, some of us, because... We, man, that's, that's just such an essential part of who I am, that idea, that whatever that logo represents. So we sometimes see people that will tattoo uh, team uh, logos on their, on their arms. We'll sometimes see people that will tattoo uh, Bible verses or, or they'll tattoo a cross to themselves. Whatever it is, it's, the, the focus isn't the tattoo, the focus is the logo, the symbol, There's something about a certain symbol that we choose to identify with that becomes part of our identity. So symbols matter. Now, symbols can be good or bad, right? I mean, there's very, you know, unfortunately, in our culture, I remember in the 90s, the Playboy symbol was super recognizable by everyone in and outside of the church. So there are symbols like that that are detrimental to the, the way of the cross, that are detrimental to our way of life. And then there are symbols that are more powerful and that they, they rise in us a sense of doing something good and becoming a better version of ourselves. So symbols matter. And I, right now, I just want to show you a couple of the symbols that I remember growing up uh, were either popular or that I liked, okay? So the first one was the Jumpman logo, Okay? Uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so uh, I saw Jordan play. That was my, you know, for you guys, the, the Kobe. Instead of Kobe, I had Jordan. That's who I looked up to. I know Carlos likes that a lot. Um, but here's the thing about this logo. It became synonymous with excellence. And so it went from uh, a shoe brand for his specific line of shoes within Nike, and then it became its own thing inside of Nike. 
And now there are other players in the NBA currently right now, like Russell Westbrook, who wear this logo, Carmelo Anthony. They wear this logo as part of the excellence that it represents and the excellence, the work ethic that they strive for. So it's become more than a shoe brand. It's become a philosophy. It's become something that they identify with. This is what I aspire to. The Jumpman logo. So everyone knows that's Michael Jordan jumping, trying to dunk the ball or whatever, right? It was very popular in the 80s and 90s and still to this day, really expensive shoes. Uh, The next logo is also very popular. Now think, here's, here's the idea about symbols or logos. I don't have to explain them. See what I mean? I know many of you are thinking, oh yeah, of course, you're a geek, so you love that symbol. But today... Whether you were a comic book fan or not, everyone that has gone to see one of their movies knows what it is. It's the Avenger symbol. And so it's part of this universe that Marvel has created, the cinematic Marvel universe. And it's a symbol. That's, it represents not, not just the characters, it represents a whole cinematic universe and a standard of quality that, that Marvel within Disney tries to create in their movies. So symbols, again, are representative of things that they aspire to. The next symbol, I remember, was super popular and still is somewhat popular as well. Uh, the, it's the yin-yang the yin symbol. And this one is not something I identify with. I just remember it as being very popular. Uh, it, it was this thing that sometimes people would like either wear or some of them have tattooed. And they talk about, yeah, the balance of good and evil, bro. Like, they just support each other. And, um, and so the, the yin-yang was like this, this thing. And one of my favorite musicians, this is his approach to music. Not necessarily that he buys into the Chinese philosophy behind the yin-yang. But it's a symbol that many people are familiar with. And you don't have to know a lot about Chinese philosophy to know that that kind of means good, evil, or light and dark. So it's a logo that encapsulates an idea. And then finally we arrive at the Christian cross. The cross, the symbol of our faith that so many different denominations uh, associate to what we try to strive to be. And I remember as a child growing up that it meant something totally different than it means to me today. I did understand that it was an instrument on which Christ had worked and done something for me, but I didn't really understand it. Nor did I understand how the cross relates to me. So our main passage for today, and in a sense for this series, um, for us to explore the way of the cross as it pertains to our lives, is Luke 9, verse 23. It's a well-known verse. People know how to quote it or paraphrase it. Luke 9, chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And it says as follows. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See, we definitely understand that that means sacrifice, but there's a lot in those words in every section of that sentence, and it is our job today to sense a little more what God is saying to us in depth. So here's a summary. I'm going to first show you what we're going to talk about and then kind of exposit it little by little. Here's a summary of the three main points that we'll be seeing today uh, regarding this passage and how it pertains to our lives. These three points. Number one, 
To deny yourself and take up your cross daily is to make a lifetime commitment to die to your will and live for God's will regardless of the cost. Okay? Let me repeat that again. To deny yourself and to take up your cross daily is to make a lifetime commitment to die to your will and live for God's will regardless of the cost. Number two, the cost however big it may seem to us, is small next to the worth of gaining Jesus. Number three, to follow Him is to live in accordance with His teachings and to go where He is currently working. In fact, there's a passage I'm going to use that Sherry already used for that in John 5. We'll talk about that. But let's break each of those three points down. The first one, Jesus calls us to make a lifetime commitment to die to your will and live for God's will regardless of the cost. The two go hand in hand and they complement each other. You can't die to your will and not live to any will. It's either your will or God's will. And so we seek to die to our will because in seeking to live for His will, the, the gospel teaches us that something better is given to us. We receive something better. His will is, in fact, better for us. And that we should do that, we're told, regardless of the cost. Now, that is, that is shocking when we initially read that, that we should follow His way regardless of the cost because we've seen the cost to many of our Christian brothers and sisters. We've seen that it can cost your life. We've seen that it can cost many things. So the question is, Am I just going to a cash register, provided a bunch of money, and not getting anything in return? It's expensive, so I am getting something, and it is worth it. That's what we need to keep in mind. When I die to my will and seek to live to His, that cost and whatever subsequent costs come with that is worth it. It is worth it because of what you gain. See, there's different costs, and Jesus is inviting us to see and remember, you know what? Think about it before you follow me because there's various costs to following me. One thing that it could cost you is that it could cost even your life. Yes, the cost of your faith journey may be your life. Here in America, we don't really experience it that often. But in the rest of the world, yes, Christian brothers and sisters die for the faith they profess. That's it. For the faith that they profess. It's fortunate from a safety perspective that we get to be here where we can live our faith and we we think we're persecuted in a sense. I guess you could say we are because the world doesn't necessarily like the Christian way. The American society doesn't always subscribe to it. But we don't experience life-threatening costs. We don't. Not the way others in the world do. But it may be that someday it may cost your life. And Jesus wants you to be aware of that. America can't protect you from the fact that one day you may have to give your life for the faith that you profess, just like Jesus gave his life for you. Now, to see how this is associated to the passage we just read, let's, I'm going to read over a passage in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. It's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Listen to Jesus. He says, then Je- or rather it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, the same thing we just said. For whoever would save his life 
will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, the cost, however much you're paying, is buying you something that's invaluable. It's almost contradictory that in verse 25 it says, save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How do I lose my life and find it? Remember, in sacrificing my will for his will, and that may cost my flesh life, I gain resurrection. I gain the promise of being reconciled to God. I gain the promise of true life. There's my version of what of life, the life that I want, and there's God's version. And in dying to myself, maybe being willing to give up my life for the faith I profess, I will gain true life, abundant life, eternal life, life unlike any other. That's the promise of Jesus. It's not just lose your life, done. No. Lose your life because you will get true life. Lose insufficient life to get abundant life. Your will gives you insufficient life. My will gives you abundant life. That's the, you got to understand, cost gives you a product. When you pay for something, it gives you a product. So if you're willing to pay the cost, if you walk to Jesus and you say, I am willing to renounce to everything, including my life, the promise is great. It's not just heaven, by the way. It's Him. The promise is Him. It's Jesus saying, I give myself to you. That's the promise. But there are other costs. It's not just your life. This one may hit closer to home for some of you. Your faith might, de- might be divisive in your family or with some of your friends. Taking up your cross means being willing and understanding of that fact and still following Jesus regardless of that cost. It happens to me, and my family may listen to this podcast, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not diving into too much details, right? But uh, my family doesn't necessarily subscribe to everything I believe. Let's just put it that way. And when I walked away from the Catholic faith, because I grew up Catholic, it was met with divisiveness. And my, and my family, the funny part, was nominally Catholic, which means they would go to church every once in a while or on Easter or on Christmas or things like that. Uh, and I was the one that was going to church every Sunday. And they loved me because I was an example. And then the moment I walked away and decided to follow the way of grace, they said, how could you? You were our example. And it became divisive in my family. One of my grandmothers allegedly said I was possessed. <laughs> allegedly. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But it became divisive. And it's become divisive with some of my friends. Now, I could have said, you know what? It's not worth it, man. Not worth putting strain in my family. But God revealed to me, because it was by His grace, not by my intellect, by His grace, He revealed that the cost is worth it. See, it's not that Jesus is saying, don't love your family. He's just, He's saying, you have to love me more. You have to love me more. 
again in Matthew, but chapter 10, in verses 34 through 39, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not, here it is again, take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. See, Jesus is showing us what that passage means. It's layered. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, something that's important to realize with this passage Everyone loves Jesus the teacher. Jesus the teacher doesn't bring tension. No divisiveness. Jesus the philosopher, the teacher, the good things you should live by, doesn't cause division in family. Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, the only way to God, the only way to receive abundant life, that brings division. Jesus wasn't crucified for being a good guy. He was crucified for his claims to be the Messiah. And so the question that we ask ourselves is, are, are we avoiding tension sometimes uh, and playing into the, the tensions that sometimes are caused by our friends or our family to avoid upsetting them? It's not about being conflictive. On the contrary, we are bringers of peace. But we must stand for what we believe. We cannot compromise Jesus for someone else. That's it. Because Jesus is that much greater. That's tough, but he is so much better. He is the Messiah because he's the only one capable of redeeming you. He's the only one that loves you that much. Jesus is greater. He's saying, love me more because I am. So we have to keep that in mind. Now again, like I said, you might think, wow, that's a big cost. But you must not forget what you get in exchange. The cost is small next to the worth of gaining Jesus. The cost is nothing next to the worth of gaining Jesus. See, in John 3.36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the, God, the wrath of God remains on him. See, we gain Jesus because otherwise, if he isn't crucified... God still has righteous angry, anger towards us. Righteous wrath towards us because of our sin. But God is both merciful and just. So because of that, He's giving Jesus to us. The cost is small next to the worth of gaining Jesus. We gain Jesus. We gain fellowship with God. The wrath of God no longer lies on us. It was Put on Jesus on the cross. That's what he did for you. That's why it's worth it to gain him. Because that's what he did for you. Every sin, every little thing that you did, everything you've ashamed of, not just the sins you've shared with people and told them about, the ones you're not willing to share too. (laughs) Jesus died especially for those. In John 10, verses 10 through 11 Uh, specifically, excuse me, in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We get the good shepherd as the product that we purchase with that uh, crazy cost. But Paul reminds us, even if you're avoiding wrath, 
Even if you're avoiding hell and you're getting heaven, heaven, hell, that's not good enough to describe what you really get. The true worth is Jesus Himself. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul doesn't say in Philippians 3, indeed, I count everything as lost because I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. He doesn't say, indeed, I count everything as lost because I'm not going to die. Someday I'll be alive again after I die. He says, it is lost. All of it is nothing. The cost is small. Next to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things. That's cost right there. And count them as rubbish. They're nothing next to God. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Don't focus on the cost. Understand the product. The cost gets you Jesus. And Paul is telling you, you have no idea how much better this is than anything you, couple bucks that you spent. Finite cost versus infinite worth in Christ Jesus. That's the product that we're buying, that he bought for us. See, the cost, the only cost to us is what we're willing to sacrifice. And if we are willing to sacrifice, boy, do we get the most amazing thing, the person himself, God, Jesus, reconciling us to the Father so that we would have intimacy with God. That is the surpassing worth. Not heaven. Not heaven. Not avoiding hell. Jesus. See, Jesus calls His disciples to live in accordance with His teachings and to go where He is currently working. So now we've seen in Luke 9, excuse me, in the passage, our main uh, verse, Luke 9.23, we saw first it said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. That portion we just discussed, which is, this is the cost, I'm willing to sacrifice this to get Jesus. But then the last part of that verse says, and follow me. It didn't stop before saying, follow me. It said, and follow me. So give up your way, embrace my way, sacrifice anything that needs to be sacrificed for my sake, but now, follow me. See, when Jesus says, follow me, you must understand, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's calling them to live in accordance with his teachings and to go where he currently is working. In Galatians 5.24 It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that means I give up the things I want to indulge in because indulging in Jesus is better. I will no longer indulge in the passions and desires of the flesh, meaning the the sin-oriented desires, but rather I will focus on the desires of the Spirit I will live in accordance to those. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, notice the symbol of the cross is present ever throughout these passages. It's always there. And it's understanding that there is a cost to my living for God. And it's not just cost of family or cost even of life, but also cost on how I choose to live my life. What things am I going to follow? 
This part maybe was what was most pressed upon me for the sermon, even though I don't have too much time. Because I think as Christians, sometimes we, we, we think grace is permission to coast. So we allow certain sins to linger unattended, and we coast. And Jesus is reminding us that if you have tasted grace, you are violent towards your sin. You are violent towards your sin. I mean, there's a reason why Romans 8 says, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. That's violent. That's the attitude that Jesus wants us to have towards our sins. It's not a passive, like, eh, it's okay. Remember, I'm not saying you don't sin. We all sin. The, ma- the question isn't, do you sin or not? The question is, are you trying not to? See, when I go to a basketball court, again, basketball, I grew up playing basketball. Um, when I go to a basketball court and I work on my shot, I miss some of the shots, but I am trying to make them. And when, when people decide to live coasting under grace, which is not true grace, it's a person who goes to the court and just, eh, it's like, eh, it's like, eh, eh, doesn't care. I just want to get out of here. But if I'm a Christian and I, I want to, I've crucified, I've embraced, embraced the way of the cross, I've put aside my own desires and live for his, now I, I go into my pattern. I go into my routine. I practice. My, 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 my body has to go into the memory muscle that I've practiced before. I dribble, loosen my shoulders, lift, my, lift up my shot. There's a pattern. There's a practice. There's a practice to not sinning. That's grace. Grace is, yes, you're forgiven. But if you're forgiven, you're supposed to want to make the shot. You're supposed to want to make the shot. You don't take days off. You're in mamba mentality every day towards sin. <laughs> mamba mentality every day towards sin. You, like, you want to take it out. See, that's the grace cross-embracing lifestyle that we want to have. So, lastly, we said in that last bullet point, we want to go where he is currently working. Follow him not only means teachings, but also we want to go where he currently is working in. And Sherry already read the passage I was going to use for this. John five nineteen through 20, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will, will he show him, so that you may marvel. When we see God at work, we need to do like Jesus does. He follows the Father. When we see God working in an area of need, like our serve team just mentioned, we rise to the call. When we see God at work, we follow Jesus. If Jesus goes into the trenches, I go into the trenches, regardless of the cost. If Jesus goes to the hungry, I go to the hungry, regardless of the cost. If Jesus goes to those that stink and don't smell very well, I go to them regardless of the cost. Because that's what He does. He follows the Father wherever He's at work, so do I. I must follow Jesus into the trenches. If He's at work here, if He's working with people, 
I go there. If he's feeding, if he's attending the sick, I go to the hospital. What he's doing, I must go there. I must be with those that are disenfranchised because that's where God is working. I must seek to be there. So we seek to follow him. In conclusion, wow, I tried to do it in 30 minutes. I think I did. (laughs) In conclusion, back to the main passage. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, that means become his disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We see three things. Number one, we have to drop our will and embrace his. That's the deny himself and take up his cross, take up our cross. We drop our will and embrace his regardless of the cost. Life, family, uh, commodities, whatever, regardless of the cost. Number two, follow me. That means follow his teachings. And number three, also follow him into the trenches of service. Wherever he's at work, wherever chains are being broken and people set free, wherever people are being fed by a gospel ministry, we are there. So the way of the cross, yes, it it is tough. But you can easily focus on the cost if you don't focus on the gain. I gain Jesus, the surpassing worth. Throughout this series, as we see what Jesus did upon the cross and how we relate to our cross in our lifestyle and the consequences of all this, may we embrace the product itself, not just the cost. May we want to spend the cost because we know that infinite worth of surpassing knowing, uh, the surpassing infinite worth of knowing Jesus is ever more better. That's what we strive to live for. The cross is a symbol that matters. It matters. It is the instrument. It is the way of life that we follow. May we embrace it knowing the gain, the infinite gain. As the worship team comes back up and the ushers prepare for the uh, tithes and offerings, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I want to thank you first and foremost for the patience. Today we went long. It's a long service, but I thank you for the patience of our congregation. I thank you because they're willing to listen to your word and to what it means to walk the way of the cross. May we seek to remember the gain, the product, regardless of the cost. May we remember it in times where we're when when our faith is wavery, when it's wavering. May we remember the infinite gain of you, even if it sometimes costs friends, commodities, jobs, or God forbid, life. But if it must, may it be that God would be glorified in my death. For you are that much better, Lord. You are that much better. Remind us of that. May your Holy Spirit anoint us to be reminded that it's all about you and you are the infinite worth. There's no cost that measures up to that. As the ushers come forth, I pray that the tithes and offerings would be multiplied. Not for the sake of money, but for the sake of blessing people. For the sake of blessing the city of Redlands. To empower those that seek to serve. To feed the hungry. To to pay expenses to mission trips where we reach the disenfranchised. To buy clothes for those who need it. Multiply, Lord, like you multiplied the fish and the loaves. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.